Welcome to the Occult London podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us on iTunes as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at www.occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to hear from them. So please reach out via Facebook or an email as I'd love to answer your questions. You can find my Facebook on the show notes or alternatively email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy it. In today's episode, we are introducing a new series of episodes based on the four powers of the Sphinx. Um, One of the key points that's related to the practice of magic and also becoming a magician is the maxim known as the four powers of the Sphinx. And although the origin of these words or tenets is unclear they have a really good usefulness in terms of highlighting what it is to be a magician and also how to be a magician and how we can incorporate the these philosophies into our life to understand ourselves and ultimately help us to um, achieve gnosis or nothisuton which is know thyself the words are as follows to know to will to dare, and to keep silent. And each of these we will be covering in the upcoming episodes. Um, in terms of the, just a quick introduction to those four, so obviously to know this is the rule that tells us to learn knowledge and to apply it, but it's also knowledge of self, obviously, so it's gnosis, know, knowing. To will, This is this power of, you know, really being able to action and actualize things. So, you know, to take something from an idea and put it into action. To dare. This is the daring power of the courageous and also to learn not to be afraid. And then finally, to be silent. This is the power of discrimination and being able to keep the silence and also to hear that inner voice that we all have within us, which is really the key to the mysteries from that point of view that, you know, finding that silence so you can hear that inner voice, which is increasingly difficult in today's modern society. Um... So those are the four powers of the Sphinx that, that normally are discussed. Um, in some traditions, they do have a fifth power, which is to go. And this is something that Crowley talks about. And also some of the other, um, some other traditions also talk about that. But I'm, I'm not going to focus on that particular one in, um, in this series, as I want to primarily focus on the, the four powers. So where does this come from? So, I mean, the four powers of the Sphinx it's it's often described as the witch's pyramid as well within um you know more kind of wiccan traditions but it's a magical idea and philosophy that sort of predates the modern magical revival and it was really kind of first discussed by the french occultist and magician eliphas levi um who lived between 1810 and 1875 in his book transcendental magic its doctrine and ritual where he wrote To attain the sanctum regnum, in other words, the knowledge and power of the magi, 
there are four indispensable conditions. An intelligence illuminated by study. An intrepidity, which nothing can check. A will which cannot be broken. And a prudence which nothing can corrupt. And nothing intoxicate. To know, to dare, to will, to keep silence. Such are the four words of the Magus inscribed upon the symbolical forms of the Sphinx. Um, Eliphas Levi also goes on to say the following, which I thought was quite relevant as well. You must thoroughly understand the elemental beings are souls of an imperfect type, not yet raised in the scale up to human existence, and that they can only manifest power when called into action by the adept as auxiliaries to his will. By means of that universal astral fluid in which they live, the kingdom of the gnomes is assigned to the north, the salamanders to the south, the sylphs to the east, and the undines to the west. Their symbols are of Taurus the bull for gnomes, Leo the lion for salamanders, the eagle for sylphs, and the sign of Aquarius, for undines. The combination of these four types of face and being represents the created universe, a complete and eternal entity. Man, in fact, the microcosm, and this is the first formula of the mystical explanation of the enigma of the Sphinx. So yeah, I mean, he's he's talking about the Sphinx and obviously this relationship with the elementals there. So obviously the gnome, the salamanders, the sylphs and the undines and how that relates to the concept of the microcosm and the macrocosm. So obviously man being the microcosm and the world or the universe or the heavens being the macrocosm. And that, um, you know, if we follow the teachings of Hermes, Trismegistus or the divine Pymander, you have these concepts of, um, you know, as above, so below. Um, it talks about this in the Emerald Tablet as well. So as above, so below. These, it's these interplay of man and the cosmos and the universe. And Levi seems to be saying that through this power of the Sphinx um, and through these elemental things conjoined into the image of the Sphinx, this is a formula for the mystical explanation of the universe, really. So man is similar to the Sphinx in that we're made up of the four elements. However, in mankind, these elements are not always balanced, and thus we're more led by them rather than being their master. So if you think about all our emotions, how we act, how we think, you know, it's constantly switching between different different thoughts, different feelings uh, and everything like that which can kind of create quite a chaotic um, atmosphere in our lives. So this, the four powers of the Sphinx thus kind of represent this kind of purification and balancing out of all the four words of the Kabbalah but also the Tetragrammaton, um, you know, perfectly aligned within the human form. So how do we apply these principles? Well, Eliphas Levi talks about this in his final book, which is called The Great Secret, which is worth reading. And he says the following. The great secret of magic, the unique and incommunicable arcana, has for its purpose the placing of supernatural power at the service of the human in some way. 
To attain such an achievement, it is necessary to know what has to be done, to will what is required, to dare what must be attempted, and to keep silent with discernment. Levy goes on to give us a myth- mythical example, um, which is quite relevant, which I wanted to share when he says, uh, talks about Homer's Odyssey, uh, Odysseus, sorry. Homer's Odysseus had to contend with the gods, the elements, the cyclops, the sirens, Circe, etc. That is to say, with all the difficulties and dangers of life. His palace is invaded, his wife is pestered, his goods are plundered, his death is resolved on. He loses his comrades, his ships are sunk. At last, he alone is left to fight it out against the night and the sea. And single-handed, he sways the gods. He escapes from the sea, he blinds the cyclops, he cheats the sirens, he masters Circe. He retakes his palace. He rescues his wife. He slays those plotting his death because he willed to see Ithaca and Penelope again, because he always knew how to extricate himself from danger, because he dared what had to be done, and because he always kept silent when it was not expedient to speak. So what he's talking about here is obviously, you know, Odysseus, is a real warrior you know he goes out there he dares he goes into danger deliberately in order to you know attain this kind of grail of achievement and he follows his will so he's a very strong willpower he's also daring and he's also building up his knowledge um so he's kind of from that point of view he's almost like um bringing fire down from heaven from that point of view he's going out there he's exploring this unknown world he's defeating these unknown beasts or monsters and bringing that knowledge back which is part of the journey of the initiate from that point of view you bring back what you have found so it's very much about bringing this fire down from heaven um, Levy gives us practical information on it as well because he says when one does not know one should will to learn to the extent that one does not know it is foolhardy to dare but it is always well to keep silent so as we can see we start the process by wanting to learn so that's kind of the first step really we we have the will to learn and through learning we begin to know and then also once you know you can kind of be more daring really because you know you can know the risks potentially and you can also kind of Say, we've, we've overcome this obstacle, so let's dare and do that next one. And then obviously keeping silent as well. And we'll talk about that in a bit more detail in terms of each individually one of these. But one of the things you can kind of think of this is really a step ladder. So it's, a, you know, it's different steps that one can follow 
in order to achieve these things. We must learn or know before we will. To learn how to will is to learn how to exercise dominion. But to be able to exert willpower, you must first know. For willpower applied to folly is madness, death and hell. And he also says, in order to dare, we must know. In order to will, we must dare. We must will to possess empire and to reign, we must be silent. So, as I said, we'll be going through these in more detail uh, individually in the, the next coming episodes. Um, but hopefully this has given you a bit of a, a flavour of what these mean and how we can kind of apply these um, into our lives. In terms of the how these have been impacted on the kind of magical tradition, you can find these in you know, some of the Golden, Golden Dawn material talks about this. So... Uh, there's a lecture that was printed by Francis King in his book Modern Ritual Magic from the official history lecture, which was written by William Westcott um, that was issued to all neophytes within the um, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which said the following, Be well assured, my frater, that the Order of the Golden Dawn, of which you have now become a member, can show you the way to much secret knowledge and to much spiritual progress. We believe lead true and patient students who can, will, dare, learn and be silent to the true wisdom and perfect happiness. Um, Crowley also incorporated these concepts into Thelema. Um, he also introduces this fifth element, which is to go, which we're not really going to talk about, but represented spirit. And you can see the concepts in some of his rituals, such as Liber Pyramidos, where the candidate invokes and becomes Osiris, um and also we can find it in uh you know wicca and witchcraft as well so it was mentioned by paul Hoosens and in mastering witchcraft in 1976 which he doesn't reference it directly but he does talk about uh these four powers which were the a virulent imagination a will of fire rock hard faith and a flair for secrecy and um Yes, it's kind of the same concepts, but they've just been slightly, slightly adapted. Um, as is the case with a lot of different magical systems, there's been quite a lot of disagreement and variations on the meaning of the four powers of the Sphinx and also switching them around from an elemental perspective. So I'm probably not going to be talking too much about them from the perspective of which one represents which element. I think there's an awful lot we can learn just looking at them from how they would impact our behaviours and how we can use them to understand ourselves rather than saying this one should be fire, this one should be water, etc, etc. Um, so yeah, that's all we've got time for today. I hope everyone enjoys it. As, as I said, the next four episodes will be talking about each individual um, aspect of the four powers of the Sphinx. So I hope you stay tuned and listen to them and I'll catch you up with you soon. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Starlight threading